0: we're back welcome to north of the shire your podcast on all things lord of the rings which includes all kinds of crazy content including a few bits and pieces about the middle earth strategy battle game by games workshop i'm your host don and this is episode 27 here with me once again is the esteemed mr Andrew Brock. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's been a long time since we've had a chat.
1: I know. I mean, like, the last episode we put up, episode 26, was pretty much finished. (laughs) Uh, We didn't have to do much on that one. No. Um, And then this one, unfortunately, got delayed, I think it was just a week. It's a week, yeah.
0: Yeah, Well, if we get it finished in a couple of days, it'll be delayed a week. We'll see what happens.
1: Fingers crossed. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, no, we haven't had a chance to chat much lately. And and how has your uh, MESBG progress or enlightenment with Middle Earth come along?
0: The Enlightenment, oh, excellent, Mm. yes. I've actually been reading a lot about the Enlightenment lately. Oh, yeah? Uh, Or more listening, but anyway, that's a whole separate topic. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, so uh, I've, uh, not really recent, but because it's been over a month since we've, we've had a good chat but yeah, yeah. um I, ha- I have been working on a lot of different things actually I've been working on my challenge army uh-huh. made some progress there that's good um i'm o- i was off today off tomorrow um hopefully i'll get uh, i'm hoping to get my my whole army done within a week wow um so i i, I think after this weekend i'll be working on my my four last models which Whoa. are the which are the mounted uh Dunlending lending horsemen. So there you go. And then yeah, you're, of yeah. course
1: you're gonna have a build a s- display board worthy of done lending. Uh, uh,
0: it's it's not in the the plans honestly oh. right now. I'm gonna use Old Faithful for for this, oh my for, God. this for this army. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although I, I did buy one of the terrain kits of the Rohan. I mm-hmm. think I brought the bought the one with the uh, like the palisade, so I could do something with that. All right. Okay, One day, okay. but yeah, I don't know. I'm running out of room for all of this stuff. Uh, well, I think
1: the biggest issue, really, people don't realize, is that models don't take up a lot of space. Display boards no. do.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do take up a lot of space, and I've already got a few of them down there. So, and plus all the train boxes and boxes of train. Yeah. So. I don't know. You are we'll our see.
1: storage facility for Canadian yeah, right.
0: trout. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, my okay. basement is a mess. But anyway, yeah. So I also I posted some pictures on our uh, Facebook group of some stuff mm-hmm. that I've been working on lately. I saw because that. I also was um, um, I did I I knocked off like a whole bunch of bingo squares by working on mm-hmm. on various things. So I think I talked about this before because. I had made a small display board for my, uh, Khazadim army. It I was, it was, an it was initially actually supposed to just be for a battle company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could fit a small army on it. So, so I got that display board or that Bengal square, square done. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um, in a Facebook event on the, um, the Shire of Victoria. It's a Facebook page in Canada here on the West coast. Yeah. And they run a, an event every year called Orktober. And it's like, it's a really fun event that they do. They create all kinds of missions and every week you get points for painting miniatures, converting miniatures, you know, making memes, uh, playing battle company games, all kinds of stuff. It's mm-hmm. just like so well run. Um, and this year I like being so busy. I'm like, I'm still going to do it, but like i probably won't have time to actually do many of the games but like I, I painted um some orcs and did a whole bunch of converting did some kit bashing um with some some other model kits and i actually was able to convert some of my uh uruk bowman yeah like like i got a ton of metal uruk scout bows Mm -hmm. and so when i like all the plastic guys that i get i'm like well i don't really need them i've got enough so i'm like what do i do with them so i ended up actually converting them into you know like sword and shield type orcs Mm -hmm. and i I actually bought like another kit from uh it's uh is it warlord i think it's warlord's orc kit Mm -hmm. um not crazy about the models in it to be honest but they're all in pieces um so there's just like all kinds of arms legs heads you know weapons um something that's really lacking in gw's range um so it it makes it amazing for for kit bashing a model Mm -hmm. um so I, i was using that and came up with some some cool conversions um yeah so i think i got a bingo square there i think um and then we had a tournament like in september so i played played a couple of people i hadn't played before so that was a bingo square Mm um yeah so got quite a bit of stuff done and of course i did some work on my my challenge army so i'm just about finished my six huskarls huskarls nice you got a
1: lot a lot done holy cow
0: yeah, I, I did I didn't I wasn't disciplined and stick to my challenge army. I'm like, yeah, I want to do something else. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna paint some orcs.
1: Uh, that's the problem when you get close to the finish line, right? You see the finish line there and you're like, Yeah, I can get around to it. Yeah, I can get around yeah, to
0: it. Yeah, I'm like, look how far those guys are behind me. I got lots of time.
1: Don't don't play the tortoise here. Don't leave your <laughs> well, I mean actually you know what, I'll be honest. You probably could play the tortoise on this one. I'm not even gonna come close to catching you. <laughs>
0: yeah, Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, from the last month, I have done bow diddly. Uh, I'm looking over at my display board or my, 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 my painting setup, and it's sitting in a it's sitting in the closet. It's been sitting there for a month probably, mm-hmm. and I'm getting ready to move in a month, like less than a month, probably a week Oh, now. yeah, yeah, you told me that. I, I didn't mean, know that. Yeah. Week, week and a half, we're getting ready to move, so mm-hmm. I'm not even thinking about painting until after I get into our new place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: At which point in time I will get a new shiny desk, uh, which is really just I'm requisitioning my whole desk that I gave up to my wife temporarily for work. And I will then put my painting stuff back out and resume painting every now and then. But that's okay. I don't mind that. Um, things have been crazy hectic in that sense. So mm-hmm. I'm not concerning myself with it. I suspect I will be <laughs> n- number four, uh, as in the last person to get his challenge stuff done. And I say this with confidence, knowing that literally a third of my army has been fully painted and completed, and Garrett has all of his models still unassembled. I guarantee you I will not finish before him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will don't see. see it we'll see. Uh, I'll be talking to him this weekend, so I'll, I'll find out what's going on. Because now he's working on, uh, he's working on Treebeard now. So I,
1: I heard, which is not it's in a, his challenge army. No, uh, and no. I have heard that Treebeard is a joy to assemble.
0: <laughs> Doesn't sound like it. No, no. There's <laughs> quotations like around a... the word joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm hoping that the two of us, Garrett and I, are gonna make it to a tournament in December. We'll see. Um, but that—that's what we're aiming for. So, well,
1: December and January both have two uh, two tournaments, right? One in yeah. December, one in January, which is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Now there is something else that has come out that I have sort of partaken in, and uh-huh. that is the brand new supplement, The Fall of the Necromancer. Right. Which you that... haven't gotten yet.
0: No. <laughs> no, because I was smart and I like ordered it to be delivered by Games Workshop, and yeah, still waiting.
1: I have uh, I did the same well no I didn't sorry because I had heard the rumors online that the uh, the Fall of the Necromancer is a smidge leaner than the other books and I thought you know what I'm not going to buy the hardcover on this one I'll buy the digital and mm-hmm. uh, Games Workshop make sure that your digital download is ready to go the day of whereas The Witch King and the Angmar dice that I bought um, have just been shipped
0: Oh, you, you've you got the email?
1: Yes, I said I got the email that says yeah, your order is on the way. <laughs> I said, cool. And so I did order the Witch King and I did order um, some Angmar dice. And I have bought some more models. I mean, this isn't really great because I haven't painted anything, but I've bought some more models. I've got some, some Moran and Orcs and I've got some Army of the Dead. I'm looking to convert to some Black Numenorians. Mm-hmm. Um, give myself a little more. Um, oh, Mordor you picked Force. up a
0: big uh, lot of models on the local trade group right? that's right yeah, okay. so uh,
1: i can whip up a nice little um i you know a mordor force and add a couple pieces to it uh give myself a nice little competitive force there i'm looking forward to that and uh, i'm looking forward to sort of assembling that new witch king model so
0: yeah i uh, bought the witch king i forget i bought the book and i bought the witch king and i think i might have bought the angmar dice too
1: The dice look really um, nice
0: yeah uh, like i'm glad i bought the witch king because i've seen the model now mm-hmm. um uh, like, I've seen a few videos of, of people putting the model together and painting it um, out of the frying pan. Uh, mm-hmm. Dan, he did a really good video, very sh- short video, but of, a, of assembly and painting. Mm-hmm. And it looks like an amazing model. Um, reality, it'll probably sit on my shelf for a year before I even take the plastic off it.
1: Yeah. yeah well, cause you know-
0: I, I still have the old, is it, it I'm not sure if it's uh, resin, um, the one where he's mounted and he's holding the flaming sword up in the air.
1: That is plastic.
0: That's plastic? Okay. Yeah, that's I have plastic. that model and it's assembled in primed black and mm-hmm. not painted. So probably paint that first.
1: <laughs> you know what? If it's assembled in primed black, you're already 90% done.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, just just put,
1: put a little a little bit of lighter gray over top as a highlight, and, and boom, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Just slap some metal on it for uh, the armor, and you're good to go.
0: What about all the um, models that have been brought back into the range by GW recently, all the elves and oh,
1: man. spiders
0: I, and stuff like that? Did uh, you jump uh, on any of that?
1: I have yet to. I want to buy the Spider Queen. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of up... Um, it's tickling my fancy, uh, mostly because I run. A, I have Mordor models. Like I have a ton of goblins, and I thought you know it'd be kind of cool to run a, a little spider themed Mordor army, right, with mm-hmm. um, Druzag and Ashrak, uh, and the Spider Queen allied in. Um, well, you still
0: have a bunch of giant spider models too, right? I do indeed. So yeah. that'll
1: be a nice little uh, mini denizens of the dark or denizens of the dark army. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's one other thing. Oh right, I also did buy Radagast and Gollum. So I needed the mm-hmm. Golem to finish off my, um, my Rangers list that I was working mm-hmm. on because it was the last model I needed. And I needed Radagast because it would finish off the last of the Wizards. I don't have Radagast. I had all the others. So, which would allow me to play the Vanquishers of the Necromancer Legendary Legion. Mm-hmm. Which is getting all the rage online is being unbeatable. TLDR, it's not
0: yeah we'll have to have a but we'll leave it there. We'll have to have a chat about that in a future episode i think
1: i think so yes i think it's just more all the rage because people aren't yeah. um from what i've noticed people just want to play a nice sporting game against it and charge in against them and i'm like I'm playing an <laughs> objective based game and it will murder you if you charge in don't yeah. don't run into it just run yeah. into the objectives <laughs>
0: Yeah, I didn't I haven't yet anyway uh pulled the trigger on any of those uh GW releases yet. Uh, mostly because it's the majority of the models I I already have. Um I actually could also use Gollum. I don't have a Gollum and I need one for my Goblin Town army. Mm-hmm. Um also thinking about like the Spider Queen is a very competitive model. Yes. Um so I wouldn't mind having that in, in my collection. Um never been a fan of the model that's that's all that's always what sort of kept me from buying it in the past it's like it's really good you should you know get it it's it's a really effective model it's you know it would maybe help you win a tournament one day and it's just like i look at the model i'm like
1: well so the way i see it you know just a quick do a side tangent here before we wrap up this segment the spider queen represents to mordor what Gulivar represents to angmar Right, that model that when you couple it with a ring wraith or two can run in and charge into an enemy hero and with a bat swarm in tail and in, yeah. in, in, in toe, murder your thing. assassin, he's your assassin model. Right, um, slightly, I mean, definitely less defensive than Gullivar, and Gullivar's already pretty bad. Um, but I agree with you. Like, when I looked at the model, I'm like, if this model didn't have good rules, I wouldn't even look at this thing. It is a disgusting model. You know, yeah. like I would almost consider using like some sort of Shelob alternative. It's like all these little like warts on its back, and I'm just like, there's no such thing. Spiders spiders don't have that kind of stuff <laughs> on their back. And even like the the mini spider like twenty mil bases, I think you get or twenty five mil bases. They're just like, like what are these? It's like.
0: It's oh, the swarms those, or the broodlings, the broodlings or whatever they're yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: like the, from a gaming perspective, they're phenomenal. Which is, I think, one of the reasons why we put the spider queen down as one of our our top uh, heroes of valor. Um, yeah, we
0: talked about the spider queen. Yeah, that, uh, one of our episode, top yeah. um,
1: mid tier um, heroes, it's a mm-hmm. fantastic model. Um, but yeah, like from an, like, an aesthetics perspective, not looking good. No, so, no, no, yeah, yeah.
0: cool. Already. All right, you want to get moving on to our uh, main topic discussion? Uh, I think so. All right, let's talk about. We're going to talk about scenario number two, which is. To the death. Um, do you want me to just read through sort of the scenario rules just quickly?
1: Yeah, real quick to a high level well. on them.
0: Um, so standard layout. Set up the pit. The uh, set up the train as described on page one thirty six of the rulebook. Uh, starting positions. Both players roll d six. The highest player with uh, chooses one of the deployment zones. They then select a warband in their force and deploy it within 12 inches of their board edge. Ooh. So you're starting at least 24 inches away from your opponent. That's right. Players then alternate deploying units, objectives. The game lasts until the end of a turn, in which one force has been reduced to a quarter or 25%. That's right. Uh, scoring victory points. One victory point for causing one or more wounds on the enemy leader. If you kill the enemy leader, you instead score three victory points. Mm -hmm. One victory point for breaking the enemy. If the enemy force is broken and your force is unbroken, you instead score five victory points. One victory point if you have at least one banner remaining and your opponent has none remaining, Mm. you instead score two victory points. Two victory points, if the enemy force is reduced to twenty-five percent of its starting number of models at the end of the game. Wow, that's, that's it.
1: That's uh, some very, big, some key things there. You know?
0: Yeah, it's 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 quite different than most of the other missions. Actually, it's uh, it seems very straightforward. But when you actually look at all the other missions, it's it's quite different than the other ones.
1: It, it, it is. It's, it's it's very straightforward, uh, but yet still different than the other missions. But it's also very nuanced. Um, which we'll get into throughout the course of this discussion. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone thinks, "Oh, this is a very simple mission." I'm like, "Not really." Um, there is a lot of nuance to the mission. Like there is pretty much with every is. mission. Um, a couple of things. One, you're 24 inches away from your opponent, so this is a shooting armies, but like, for, like love mission. Mm-hmm. Um, the other piece is banner. This is one of the first missions you'll see that gives VPs for a banner, um, and the last piece is. This is the only mission in the game that awards you potentially 7 VPs for quartering your
0: opponent. Yeah, mm. I noticed that in this it's the only mission out of all 18 that actually offers that yeah i mean not only that but it it actually ends the game when that happens too so you 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 can control when the game ends and also pick up some extra victory points Mm -hmm. so
1: like we do with uh did with the previous um discussion which we talked about domination we're now going to talk about ranking the army types and so we're doing this a little bit differently, um, in part because I forgot to send the notes to Don, and in part because I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I read out my options and Don says, that's stupid. So we're gonna get some nice help. We're doing this on the fly. On the fly, that's right. <laughs> I would like to say that was, this is organic on purpose, but it's not, it's organic. For fancy. once I actually
0: have my own <laughs> notes as well.
1: Perfect, see this, I planned this all and, along. And
0: I got I got a curveball at the end to throw at you too. Oh, because this this is a very unique mission to me me mm-hmm. um simply because um it's kind of the classic my army versus your army mission yep. of mesbg
1: it is very much a my army versus your army because the objective <laughs> is i'm playing against your army yeah playing the objectives yeah so let's let's dive into this okay first uh remember doing we're doing one to five ranking uh, not all ranks are going to get used up which is i guess okay or not okay and uh uh, essentially a 1 means this is a great mission for me. This is my, 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 my wheelhouse mission where I'm going to do well. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas a 5 is essentially I'm uh, in deep, deep trouble. Uh, this is going to be an uphill battle. And a 3 is I'm indifferent. So to start us off, tied at number 1 is the Leaf Blower and the Line Breaker Army Types. That's right. Starting out the gate with a tie at number one. And that is because uh, the, the this mission is the mission of choice for leaf blowers, right? You've got 24 inches between you and your opponent due to the deployment rules. So you can maximize your shooting turns. You get a minimum of about two, about three shooting turns, or about three turns of shooting, uh, probably four in other cases, uh, provided you have a banner, and we can get more into that later. Uh, and as you know, the maximum VPs come from breaking quartering, um, the leaf blower loves to kill infantry uh, because it's the easiest thing to kill with its shooting weapons. So it softens up its opponents and it gets that very critical um, deficit, uh, model deficit advantage in its favor early on, which it can use to um, to sort of overwhelm your opponent and destroy them. Right. So that's why the mm-hmm. leaf blower loves this mission. The yeah, line... that
0: that sounds good. Like I, I would agree with all of that, and I'll, I'll throw in some some points after after sure. your second one.
1: The line breaker, and there's a reason why I say the line breaker is loves this mission. Okay, because the line breaker excels at one thing: obliterating a battle line and breaking your opponent as fast as possible. I will say from personal experience using line breakers, I have broken my opponent in one or two turns flat. This army does it so quickly that if your opponent's not watching, the game will be over by turn four, okay? So um, the strategy of the line breaker army is to hit the enemy line. It's to focus on the infantry, not on the heroes, okay? Which is a big strategy of to the death. You wanna break your opponent and you're not doing it by killing heroes, you're doing it by killing infantry, okay? And so, when 7 vps are up for grabs just from um breaking and quartering this army loves that and it, it fits in and then the vp structure of this mission fits extremely well into the wheelhouse and the strengths of a linebreaker list so don thoughts
0: yeah i agree um i'm not sure about all of the other ones but certainly these two it's it's definitely their mission of choice like we mentioned earlier on um, there, there's none of the traditional, um, sorry, well, there are traditional objectives in here, but they're, you know, leader, kill, breaking, uh, et cetera. Um, but the other traditional objectives aren't here. There's, there's no like actual physical objectives on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no requirement of board control. Yep. Um, there's no counting of wounds, um, there's no running models off of the table. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things are distractions for these two army types. Yep. So the fact that they're not there um, makes this an ideal mission for these because really what happens is um, because there are no other objectives in this game, killing the enemy leader and breaking their army become your only objectives Mm -hmm. and like in the case of the linebreaker they excel at assassinating heroes as well Mm um so it's you know that army both of those armies are designed to just take apart the opponent's army the 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 mission objectives are what interferes and deployment that that all interferes with their ability to do that and in this mission it's perfect none of that stuff exists
1: Agreed, hundred percent agreed. Um, if I had to rank, um, like the two of them between who enjoys this, or if you know, like I say, a line breaker versus a leaf blower went side went went up against each other, and um, who would win? That all comes down to how effective the leaf blower is at dismounting the the line breaker elements, right? Mm-hmm. If they if they can do it, well, the leaf blower army has a very good chance. If they can't, no, they're gonna go down very quickly.
0: Yeah, it also depends if your leaf blower is good or evil too. If it's evil, they're gonna have a big advantage.
1: Oh yeah, big time because shooting into because combat they can
0: still shoot into combat even if they yeah. get to them, they can still shoot at them.
1: So okay, so I think we're we're we're, we're so far we're in um,
0: mm-hmm. we're
1: in agreement on woods number one.
0: Yep. So
1: let me move to do you feel like there is a any of these army types fit into uh, number two? They slightly favor this type of mission, but it's not their best mission. Um, because remember, you can skip. Because uh, on the one to five, you don't always have to have an army type sitting at each uh, number.
0: Okay, what else do we have? We've got shield wall, combined uh, arms. horde, and mm-hmm. what's the other one?
1: You got shield wall, combined arms, mobile, and horde.
0: Um.
1: If you're thinking well, horde, this long, it's then probably nothing fits in number two. N-
0: nothing jumps out at me, okay. honestly. Um, I I don't think any of these. All of those are, I think, a little bit lower down mm-hmm. than than a two. Okay. Um, I don't think this is an ideal mission for for any of those. Certainly, horde I think is is probably potentially a two.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, because. Because Horde can still control the board and you know capture objectives and stuff, um, their to me their primary strength is actually to destroy the other army. Mm-hmm. But in this mission here, the the disadvantage for them is is the deployment. Starting twenty-four inches away from your opponent is is not good for them. Mm-hmm.
1: So then let's jump into number three, the average. They they like it. They're, they're, they're indifferent to this type of mission. It's neither good nor bad. So I've got shield wall slash combined arms, right? Because because the shield wall slash combined arms kind of works similarly, right? Uh, mm-hmm. With combined arms having a, little, having a lot more tricks. But um, this is an average mission for these guys. Um, these types tend to bunker down in a single table quarter, right? Like, you know, they do that refused flank um, with their whole force to sort of shrink themselves down as small as possible. And they use... Um, and they, they do love shooting, um, you know, to, to pepper their opponent. Uh, and this is especially effective against horde and mobile types, right? Because you, mm-hmm. as your your force is very small, and in a corner, um, your opponent can't really bring their numbers to bear, especially if they're the, the the shield wall or the combined arms is using terrain to their benefit. Um, but they do struggle to engage leaf blower lists um, before their lines suffer damage. Um, you know, and these lists don't kill quickly so against a linebreaker list they're not going to kill as fast as them so they will break first before a linebreaker list uh, breaks and that is very detrimental so that's why i put them down at three they can handle half the army types out there but they can't handle the other half so they're kind of a midway uh, army I, I think
0: the advantage that a combined arms gets in this mission is that, you know, we've talked about they they probably have some magic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they may have Sorcerer's Blast. They may have like a transfix to slow their opponent down. They may have like a blinding light to protect their smaller contingent of archers. Uh, they may have a siege weapon. So all of those things are good for a game where you can start 24 inches away for your, yes. from your opponent. So I think, I think that helps them. Um, as far as shield wall goes, I think what really helps shield wall is that there is no um, board control required mm-hmm. here. Yep. Um, you don't have to try to run models off the other side of the table. Like there, there's, there's nothing against working against you uh, remaining strong in your shield wall. Yeah. Um, you know, you probably have a bit of shooting as well. So to me, this is is both of these armies. It's it's an okay mission for both of them. Yeah.
1: Would you put any other army type? Well, I guess the only two left are mobile and, and horde. Would you put either of these also at three? No. Okay. So l- let's dive down to number four, where it's, it's not a wheelhouse mission. Uh, it's definitely not an average mission, and it's kind of... Uh, Puts them at a slightly, slightly uphill battle. And that's mobile. That's right, I'm going there. Um, And I would consider this to be a weak mission for mobile because mobility provides little to no benefit. Table control means nothing. So a mobile army can get nowhere fast. Congrats. Um, And, you know, when we talk about the shield wall and the combined arms and the line breaker and the leaf blower, they generally have. You know, decent shooting. And when I say decent shooting, I'm referring to 33% bow limit here. I'm not talking like, I mean, leaf blower is obviously much higher than that. But a good shield wall, a good combined arms, and a good leaf blower still has 33% bow limit. You know, so when you have these other armies sort of hunker down and just lob shots at you from 24 inches away, while, yes, you're quick and you can get to them, taking any kind of casualties coming in... Before the charge, you know, and not getting your your mounted models knocked down in the case of the, mm-hmm. the mounted uh, mobile army is detrimental. On top of that, you know, um, you know, the shield wall of combined arms, all of these other the, the other armies above them, um, they're going to want to hunker down in sort of a table quadrant, right? They're not going to spread their force out, right? Like mobile armies want you to spread their force out because they can pick you apart. But you know, there's no need to do that. So you're gonna hunker down and be in one position. You're ideally gonna use terrain, create sort of like um, funnels where you're gonna push certain, uh, only allow certain amounts of models in through, which is especially detrimental to the larger mobile armies' bases for for the mounted ones. And so all of this creates this um, environment where mobile armies struggle against all the other aforementioned army types. Um, to pull out a win, and one of the reasons why I would put them above horde spoiler alert, is because they still can hit elements of a horde army, or the horde army's weakest, right, because a horde army is so big it has to spread out, uh, and so yeah, that's why I put mobile at four.
0: Yeah, I would agree mobile is at four, um, I don't think I need to go on about it, because you did a pretty good explanation there, I would, I would definitely say they're not a five mm-hmm. here, um, You know, because they can certainly win this mission. Um, So yeah, I, I agree with you on this one as well.
1: Okay. So now I,
0: I I know I don't agree with you on on horde though, because obviously you're putting horde at a five, and I would not agree with that. So I would say you're putting, I would say horde is a four as well.
1: Okay. So you're putting horde at a four. Why do you put horde at a four? Because we're at a f- number four right now.
0: Um, Because to me, like the big disadvantage here uh, for Horde is the 24-inch distance away from your opponent. Mm -hmm. Um, However, there are advantages that come with this one, too. And one of the big ones is that your entire army starts on the board, and you can deploy it right up at the... 12 inch mark so like there's no maelstrom here mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so your whole army is going to be there you can deploy it however you want if you're you know if you're uh, let's assume you're like a goblin town type horde sure um really the big disadvantage of of the distance really only comes into play if you're fighting against a leaf blower and to some extent if you're fighting against a mobile army mm-hmm. if you're fighting against all the other three armies it means nothing um you know line breaker you just you want to fight you know go ahead charge me do your damage and then i'll just swarm you and kill you and uh you know shield wall i'm going to move up to you however long it takes take a bit of sh- casualties from shooting i'm going to wrap around your flanks and kill you with my swarm you know mm-hmm. and it's the same with uh, combined arms um, you know, do your do your fancy tricks, kill a few guys um, in the end I'm going to engage you and kill you. The only ones that can really stop that from happening are the leaf blower can potentially break you mm-hmm. um, and the mobile army can essentially just skirmish you to death yeah. um, but that's not a guarantee in either case um, I think, you know it's likely, but it's not a guarantee. But I think still the Horde has the advantage against the the other three armies.
1: Mm, so it almost sounds like you would put the Horde higher than a four. You almost put them at a three then.
0: I was thinking about it. Um, the more I think about it, I might put them at a three. Mm-hmm. I would definitely not put them lower than a four. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm going to put them at a four for now, okay. and we'll have to see what you have to say.
1: Okay. Well, that's right. I said it. Horde or five. This, I think, in their, my opinion, this is one of the worst missions for a Horde army. That's right. I said it. Uh, and the reason why I believe that is because, one, the 24-inch gap, right? Any, any army type um, outside of Horde is going to have shooting, right? That's just a given. And so you're going to take casualties coming in. And Horde generally have pretty low defense, right? I mean, the best horde in the game, I think, have. I mean, the best horde of the game probably have defense six if you're looking at the Isengard assault on the Helmsteep Legendary Legion. But generally speaking, you're thinking, whenever you think horde, you think goblin town. Okay, so let's go from that, that one idea for a moment. But most horde fall into this category. Um, there's a 24 inch gap, right, between you and them. That means you're either going to push up as fast as possible to avoid getting shot, which means spending money on heroic marching, which your opponent is not doing or you're just gonna allow yourself to take more turns of being hit, because a lot of the horde armies have also lower movement, right? Like you're thinking hobbits have four inches, goblins of all kind of five, and orcs have six, but if you're gonna orc horde it out, um, you don't have all the tricks that normally come with an orc horde army, right? Um, you just, because you're, you're focusing on bodies versus uh, tricks, um, quantity over quality, right? Uh, and then, so you're going to take shots right out the gate, right? Your opponent's going to dump some shooting into you, and they're probably going to be wounding you on fives, generally speaking. Now, the other piece to this is that Horde generally don't have a banner, right? Like Yeah, Goblin I was Town just thinking Moria. of that. Like, Goblin
0: Town can't even take one, so yeah. that is a disadvantage.
1: Goblin Town can't take one. Moria can't take a banner unless you're allying in, in which case if you're allying in, you start to very quickly lose your Horde status. To pick up those things. Um, you know, there, there are some horde that do have banners, don't get me wrong. But generally speaking, when you think of horde, they don't have a banner. Uh, and they have low defense, right? So, when you don't have a banner in this mission, you are giving up all the momentum to your opponent. Because you must come to them. Because if you don't, you lose the game to nothing Because your opponent has a banner, and you don't. So your goal is, all of a sudden now, is to rush headlong at your opponent as fast as possible, right? Because you want to kill them and break them and all that stuff before the game ends. So you are giving up your momentum um, because you don't have a banner, right? The other piece to this, now I will say that Horde armies with banners and with some other tricks probably aren't a 5. They were definitely a 4, right? But those that don't are definitely a 5 in the sense that Horde love board control. this army board control means zero, means absolutely nothing. And the shield wall, combined arms um, and leaf blower and line breaker armies, um, who have banners, because all of them will, will sit in a corner, a very small corner, uh, and shoot at you to weaken you up, uh, to sort of weaken your force. Paltry amounts, but hey, anything that gets them closer to the break is what they want, okay? And That means you have to push, potentially, you know, triple, double, triple, quadruple your opponent's model count into a very small area, which means you cannot bring your weight to bear. There's no wrapping the flanks. There's none of that because your opponent is literally going to use both board edges to permanently block you from doing any kind of wrapping, right? So you are literally running into like a 12... It's literally going to be a game that's going to be fought in a 12 by 12 zone, Right? Um, if that's a smart opponent who's going to use your numbers against you. So all of a sudden, it's like I'm running my big force of horde in. um, I'm taking some casualties from shooting. I finally get up to be in combat with you, and 30% of my army can actually engage you. The rest has to sit there waiting for their buddy to die before they can jump in, right? Hoping that you roll terribly so they can start pushing through your, your battle line, right? and they don't have a banner so every time you like the horde player loses models they have to replace um their model lost with another model whereas sometimes um an army with a banner that is getting really good coverage doesn't need to replace a model if they can get a reroll on a dice okay and the last piece is every horde army except the assault on Helm's Deep legendary legion uh, that chooses to go hard, has atrocious courage. I'm talking courage three or less. And when you break, you break bad. And that means your army itself is a detriment to the game ending. So when you break, quartering becomes very easily because it's not just your opponent killing you, it's am I making stand-fast rolls? Am I making courage tests on courage two or courage three? And if I'm not, I'm going to lose the game very quickly because I can no longer control when this game ends um, because my army is just falling apart all around me. So yeah, that's it's, what a, it's
0: it's a good points you bring up, but it, your your argument seems to be based on two things. Number one, the opponent is going to have fairly strong shooting, and number two, the opponent is going to be happy to win a very low VP game by you know having a banner. Um, I don't think either of those two things are a guarantee. Um, you know, your opponent may not even have a banner. Well, like, not everybody plays with a banner.
1: So here's the thing. When I look at this, I always think of top table, okay? And top table players always, almost always take a banner. Mm -hmm. Unless you're playing an army like uh, Fiefdoms where Emerhill's 12-inch range is good enough and you sacrifice the few missions where you have to bring an actual physical banner, okay? Um, The other piece is if you're playing to win and you have a banner and your opponent doesn't in a mission like this, you never move up, ever. You find a spot that's really nice for you and advantageous, you hunker down and you sit there and you say, please come to me, you're going to lose this game if you don't, and your opponent is like, yeah, I'm a competitive-minded player. I have to come to you. It's no choice about it, because if I can win a 2-0 game, I'll win a 2-0 game. I mean, I mean, it's not enjoyable, but if I come out to meet you in battle, I sacrifice my 2-0 game. I sacrifice all the advantages I have coming into the game just to hope to get a eight or a 10-0 game. That won't happen. I'll get I'll get wrapped, like you said before, because my opponent will finally be able to bring his numbers to bear, and I'll just be killed. Like that's just and that's just what's going to happen
0: again like you're looking at it from the perspective of playing on the top tables it's like I don't usually look at it from, from that perspective but I can see from, from your perspective why you may lean in that direction
1: Yeah. so I think we agree to disagree on the placement of a horde and you know what it's always good to have some kind of um, agree to disagree conflict as you said Don we breed conflict on the show.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 Definitely.
1: All right. Next up, we have Army versus Army. Thoughts on the underdog, where we talk about not the stronger armies. We talk about the weaker ones and how they can possibly win against the strong boys. And we'll start with the Leaf Blower versus everyone else, and that is everyone with tips and tricks for everyone else to beat the Leaf Blower. I mean, we've talked about the Leaf Blower in the Leaf Blower Army type series, so it's pretty obvious. um, You need heroes with Heroic March, right? I mean, that should be a pretty standard thing in your army anyways. So Heroic March gets you across the field faster, which means you take less casualties. And when a Leaf Blower Army is engaged, especially a good one, it really struggles to take a win. Secondly, your heroes, um, especially on mounts, are invaluable. So putting two or three in the ways in front is uh, a very important thing. And lastly, when you do engage, and the leaf blower has sort of whittled your numbers down, never ever engage its center. Right, because it will wrap you with its superior model count advantage and kill you. So, what you want to do is you do want to do a, a concave army line or essentially a U semicircle, right? And you want to hit one of its flanks. You never want to plow into it and give it an opportunity to wrap you completely. You want to hit one of its flanks, and you always want to sort of be rotating your U semicircle so that you're always giving um, some side of your army. Line um, to your opponent's much larger battle line, much larger, straighter battle line, if you would. Um, and what you're essentially doing there is you're forcing, um, like, a line breaker, or sorry, you're forcing, like, a leaf blower army um, to sort of walk towards you, and they're not very quick, uh, leaf blower armies aren't, Um, so then all of a sudden its models are sort of stepping on themselves, and you're able to hit elements of a leaf blower um, line without ever engaging the whole thing all at once. So that's really kind of a way to sort of catch back up after you've lost a bunch of shooting uh, casualties, is to hit a flank uh, for a leaf blower, um, and force its larger model count um, to have to slowly walk towards you to eventually try to wrap around you and by that point in time you've killed enough of their models that you hopefully have equalized the model count advantage.
0: Okay, let, let me jump in here. Yep. So, to me, this mission more than any other, as I said this before, it's kind of like army versus army. It's mm-hmm. It's kind of the mono and e mono kind of scenario of MESPG. So, i've got like a bunch of quotes that i wrote down because this one to me more than any other it is going to require you to use your plan that you have developed for your army and to you lean into your tactical ability in order to win the game Mm -hmm. okay so let me throw a quote at you that I think is applicable to the leaf blower here, because to okay. me, this is the perfect mission for the leaf blower to set up exactly the way they want to. Mm-hmm. Okay, And here's a quote, it's from Bobby Fisher, who is a chess master of uh, from the US, mm-hmm. uh, and his quote is, tactics flow from a superior position. Yep. I would to 100%. me, I... I I I think that one sort of hits the nail on the head for the leaf blower in in this mission.
1: Yeah, and I think the superior position often comes from in this particular mission's case, one, having a banner, and two, having a superior shooting force because the army with the superior shooting force can often dictate the terms of engagement, especially if they have a banner, um, Mm -hmm. because they can just keep shooting you from a distance and eventually you will break if you don't engage. So it forces you to have to close quickly and you are closing on their terms. So to, again, to, to avoid that, you really need to... Get there fast, minimize the casualties, minimize the type of casualties, you don't want to lose your, your hero's mounts, and also hit the flank of a, of a, of a linebreaker uh, list. So all of a sudden you're stealing away um, the, the, the position of strength from them.
0: Yeah, you said hit the break of a line breaker, but you meant leaf Sorry. blower.
1: Leaf blower, because uh, I'm staring at the next actual, <laughs> <laughs> staring at the next section, which is called line breaker versus everyone else. Mm-hmm. So, how do you beat the line breaker in a mission where they love to fight? Uh, you can do this two ways shocker alert, one, shoot the bloody mounts, that seems like a pretty obvious one mm-hmm. you either shoot the mounts or you use magic to sorceress blast the mount, and you can do this by either blasting the hero, or you blast a dude into the hero, which dismounts them automatically um, or three you just start casting spells on them to um, w- reduce their will to nothing, so by the time they finally charge in, because remember a linebreaker force can only move six inches which is the speed at which they're they're their ablative shield wall um, uh, moves at, or potentially nine if they march. So if you can get rid of their 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 will, then all of a sudden you have a chance at just transfixing those key heroes and slowing down their um, killing momentum, right? Mm-hmm. So that's option one. Option two, if you don't have any of those things, and I question why you don't, but and if you don't. Um, using the same principles as we talked about with that concave shield wall that concave uh, battle line and ramming it into that line breaker uh, flank to avoid their whole army swarming you right you need to use the same principle here you, again you do your concave battle line but then you're hitting a flank that or you're hitting a side of your opponent's army where the heroes aren't all lined up cuz linebreaker lists want that optimal engage and the optimal engage is three or four heroes slamming into a flank all calling hero combats and like magic they turn your whole flank on you right as an obliterated. You never want to give them that. So you really want to have that like U-shaped formation, where literally the uh, the tips of your battle line are like three or four inches behind um, your the center, right? So you're those sort of coming in in a reverse um, bull horns formation, if you would. And when you're hitting it, you're not hitting um, your your line breakers battle line with a lot of frontal. Um, facing surface area like a lot not getting a big like seven models on seven models right you might get three or four but that's fine because your opponent doesn't have a big battle line to begin with when they've got line breaker it's generally maybe eight across and two deep and then they're rocking you know four three or four heroes Um, so when you do that you're still engaging a meaningful amount of your opponent's battle line but you're really limiting how your opponent's um, line breaker elements sort of engage okay And the other piece is, if you've got heroes with heroic defense, this is their time to shine. Because when your opponent charges in and sets up those heroic combats, if you throw a hero into that person and call a heroic defense, you totally kill their ability to keep pushing forward. Because they have to chew through your hero that's got heroic defense. And if they're doing that to too many heroes, all of a sudden their heroes have zero killing power. And they're always going to be outnumbered, so they're going to lose quick.
0: Yeah, I I think um, these quotes may not be entirely appropriate to the situation, but they're entirely appropriate to playing against a line breaker Mm -hmm. in terms of like, okay, this is this is how my army works. This is my general plan for for every game. So there's 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 a famous (laughs) quote that's used in uh, like military stuff uh, quite often. And it's it is no plan survives contact with the enemy. So. And, and to me, that is that is so applicable when you when you play against a linebreaker, like you set up your shield wall or whatever, and then the linebreaker charges in and just like mangles you and then runs away and you're just like falling all over to yourself trying to figure out. What's happening, you know, mm-hmm. another good quote, again, applicable to Linebreaker, because they're they're an army that just like hits so ridiculously hard. This one from none other than Mike Tyson. Mm. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yep. So it's like I know exactly what I'm gonna do, and then it's like, oh my god, my like my big hero was just killed. <laughs> now, now what do I do?
1: Exactly, I know exactly what I'm gonna do. Okay, I'm I'm 20 models from break, and all of a sudden, end of the first round of combat with Linebreaker, I'm four models from break. What 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 just happened? And yeah. you're like, oh god, I'm in trouble, and my heroes are mispositioned. So yeah, like I. I Cannot stress this enough. A four-model, like a four-hero linebreaker army going against you, you can be. And if you've got 20, 25 models to break, you could be four to six models from break after the first round of combat. Like that's how fast they move. So if you're really not playing a careful attention to where those models are, how they're gonna hit, and how you're gonna counter them, it is so critical. Because when they set up the hammer, the hammer hits real hard. And while you're like, oh, I'll just counter them next turn with um, with a heroic move-off, great idea, except you've just lost your whole flank. Who are you going to throw into them? The occasional one model? Yeah, that could work, but if you fail the heroic move-off, get ready to watch your whole line disappear in turn two. So it is so critical, like you said before, Don, having that plan of action um, and being ready for the punch. Because when you get hit with it, you can survive the second round. It's knowing yep. that once those linebreaker elements are like either stalled out or killed or uh, negated or neutralized... Their whole army falls apart very quickly because, generally speaking, the the shield wall element that they bring with them is just a blade of wounds. It's strength three, a blade of wounds, generally speaking, and low fight value. They're supposed to have high defense. They're supposed to live as long as they can. um, And if you can stall out the heroes, your force can probably grind through their bodyguard line, their blade of wall line, very quickly. So.
0: All right. Yeah.
1: Okay, and so last but not least, the Horde versus everyone else, i.e. the Horde are the worst in this mission, per my opinion, and Dawn also thinks that there are four, so they're pretty low. So how can the Horde win? Uh, We've already talked at length about all the disadvantages that the horde have, so it definitely comes down to the following. Um, You probably, if if you're going up against a leaf blower or a strong shooting contingent, march, march, march. If you're not, you can take your time. Um, Now I will say this, there are, there's one sort of element, one sort of thing you need to do almost all Horde armies have a punch, right? With Goblin Town, it's the Goblin King. With Moria, it could be a Cave Drake, or it could be the Watcher in the Water. It could be something, right? Like, they almost always have a punch, and then a whole bunch of, like, models, cheap models. So, it's all about using your punch or your tools at your disposal to um, steal away your opponent's best advantage, which is not being able to be um surrounded cuz if they're in that table quarter they've got the edges of their 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 shield wall line touching that the almost touching the, uh, the the sides of the table edges so you can't overwhelm them so what you have to do is you have to do essentially a breakthrough strategy you have to put your goblin king on the line hammer him in heroic combat through boom boom goes through four models and then all of a sudden it's a heroic move off to get the goblin king into your opponent's backfield and when they get into the opponent's backfield the rest of your goblins can follow suit and start running around And when that happens, your opponent has taken a serious breach in their battle line, and they're now in big trouble, because now you've got goblins swarming in from the back. Um, And that can apply to pretty much any army, is you need to have a breakthrough strategy. How am I going to break my opponent's line? Just enough to get uh, uh, a solid, um, uh, I guess, line, or a path, if you would, to start pushing my reinforcements through. Because once you can sort of envelop your opponent on the front and the back, they're gonna lose guaranteed.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna throw two quotes at you here. Okay. Um, Because what you're kind of saying is, um, you really have to look hard tactically and sort of micro that situation, looking for the answer to this difficult problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, it may be because your plan that you normally use has already failed right yep. so winston churchill okay mm-hmm. plans are of little importance but planning is essential in other words your plan is of little importance because it's probably not going to happen Yep. however you have to pl- have a plan
1: i have a quote from sun tzu i'm wondering if you're going to quote me here
0: I got one from him. Okay, good. Um, I, I don't like quoting him because it's like, to me, it's like so overdone. But anyway, um, the, the other one is you got into a, like a very specific move there mm-hmm. with, the, with the Goblin King. And to me, it's like, you're really looking at what a really good player is going to be able to salvage out of the situation. He's going to see... A move that a lot of other players would not see. Okay, mm-hmm. and it comes down to that really being really observant of um, the situation. So this was a quote from T. E. Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. Okay, nine tenths of tactics are certain and taught in books, but the irrational tenth is like the kingfisher flashing across a pool and that is the test of generals. Yep. So it is finding that one answer that is available to you in the situation and seeing it. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely agree with you. Um, like I couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. Um, you need to, and this comes down to, and it applies to every mission when you're the underdog. You need to stop Put your dice down, put your tape measure down, and you need to step, uh, take a step back from the table. Take a deep breath, close your eyes, and calm yourself down. Because I guarantee you when you're the underdog, and it counts, like you know, it could be game three, game four, and you're up there in the standings, you will start feeling the pressure. And if it's game three or game four, or game five or game six, however long it is from the start of the tournament to where you are now, your brain is working on less and less energy. Okay, your brain is more fatigued. So you're not gonna be able to come up with that juicy, irrational um, strategy. So you have to calm yourself down. Because as I believe, um, the chemical reactions, whenever you stress, there's a chemical that gets released into your brain, um, that causes your brain to sort of dull. Um, And when your brain dulls, it doesn't think properly. Um, it's kind of the flight or fight, flight or fight mechanism, right? Where either you are running or you are fighting. Um, it's very simple, right? Because your brain can't be doing complex things in the moment. Um, mm-hmm. Because it has to either do one or the other. If it starts to think, you're going to choose the third option, death. And it's your death. Okay? But in this particular case, your body doesn't know any different, right? It senses the chemical of stress and it starts thinking of fight or flight. So you got to calm yourself down and push the stress out. That, that does not happen. You need a clear head in these situations. And you need to take stock of what your army can do and say, what is I, what do I absolutely need to do to win? Because if I've got a goblin town army of strength three and defense three and fight two, I believe they are. And I'm throwing them against a shield wall of, um, let's say, um, urukai. Great. I my plan is I hope they don't roll a six. I'm in trouble. Okay. Yes, mm-hmm. that's, that's, I'm going to have to deal with that. I'm going to have the bodies to deal with that. But what is my other plan? How do I, because like the strength of, of a horde army is being able to envelop the, both the front and the back. How do I pull that off? Right, and so in this case we're talking about horde, but it's all about how do I get my army to play to its strengths, which means how do I get behind them? And you start taking, you start taking inventory of what you got, right? Like for example, watcher in the water. You're thinking to yourself, watcher in the water, fantastic model. I'm just gonna have him pop up, shoot a hero, pull him in, kill him. No, in this case, have your watcher in the water pop up and literally displace your opponent's battle line. Cool, I've now displaced his battle line. Guess what? Now's the time to start moving models into that gap, right?
0: Yeah, to me, it's like you're, you're I like where you're talking about, you know, you're, you're the underdog, you're in a difficult situation, you know, take a step back, calm yourself, look at the situation. So here's another one for you. It's from a guy called Samuel Reshevsky. He's a mm. chess player, okay? Uh-huh. Good players develop a tactical instinct, a sense of what is possible or likely, and what is not worth calculating.
1: Mm. So, so you have true.
0: a you have a sense of like what is possible here and also there's, you know, other things that you could do but they're like so low probability like don't even bother spending any time thinking about them.
1: Yeah. Uh, you will play you will play any mission any army type and when you look at your opponent's army and you say to yourself I'm throwing Weaker troops against stronger troops, I guarantee you the the probability is not going to go in your favor, right? Because the game is all about probabilities. Yes, the dice can magically swing in your favor and your opponent could get CDF, critical dice failure. The odds of that happening I've seen are so low. And let me tell you from personal experience, when you get stressed and you're saying to yourself, I can just throw my orcs against, those orc line, I can take the win. No it doesn't happen 10 times out of 10, or 9 times out of 10, it will not happen. So don't waste your time trying to daydream that into, into existence. Start thinking to yourself, what actually will work? Because when you start thinking about what will work, what won't work quick, very quickly falls from the wayside. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden your infantry become more less of a, I'm gonna throw them right at my opponent's battle line and smash through to, my infantry are now going to be used as a blade of wounds to protect my heroes as they carve me a hole and then once i can envelop my opponent and force him to constantly shield then i can envelop them and do my infantry on their infantry and so always take stock of what is your strength what is their weakness and numbers is a strength and weakness at the same time and so you always got to look at what the highest probability moves are
0: And like your point of view is always because you said you're looking at it from top table. Your point of view is always that the that your opponent is playing the situation in an optimal way. And that's why it's you're at such a disadvantage. But it is possible even that, you know, this is a potentially really uh, bad mission for you because of the deployment or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, But your opponent may not be making the optimal move. Mm -hmm. And. Napoleon Bonaparte, one of my favorite quotes mm-hmm. never interrupt your enemy when he is making a mistake. Yeah. So if he's not moving his you know, shooting back to the back of the table and taking advantage of as many shots as possible. Um, you know, if he's moving a little bit too far forward or being vulnerable in some way, you know, don't stop him from doing it and just let him keep on doing it. That's right. You know.
1: Um, Like, there are times where you can very easily suss this out, because, Don, you're right. Like, I always plan every move as if my opponent makes no mistakes, because I have come across situations where I assume my opponent is less skilled. I pull my foot off the gas and all of a sudden I find myself on my back foot very quickly just due to by their, their somehow they came up with the correct strategy that I didn't think they would or the dice just switched in that moment and all of a sudden I found myself on my back foot struggling to keep a, a, um, a tie going when I had a, a you know a dominant win
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so One of the ways in which you can sort of figure that out is just to ask your opponent, like, hey, how long have you been playing this army? Sort of at the beginning of the game before, models have even been deployed. How long have you been playing this army? And if they're like, oh, not very long, like, this is my first tournament, immediately make a note in your head saying, first tournament, okay. They're prone to make mistakes, watch for them, and once they make them, prepare to take advantage of them.
0: I normally always ask my opponent that if I've never played them before, I always ask my opponent, you know, how long have you been playing the game, you know, etc., but I don't want to ask them that so that I can take advantage of them. I ask them so that I know if they're new to the game and then I can help them, you know, play the game. But um, from the competitive side of things, um, that's a very good strategy with this army. And I'll end end this off with my last quote and I'll make you happy. It's from Sun Tzu. And it's basically borrowing from Green Dragon, know thine enemy. So, you know, you Mm -hmm. need to know your army, you need to practice with your army so that you know what to do in any given situation but not only that it's good if you're a competitive guy to know the other person's army and what tricks they can pull right and so here's the quote from sun tzu Mm -hmm. okay if you know the enemy and know yourself you need not fear the result of a 100 battles if you know yourself but not the enemy For every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle.
1: Mm, I like that. It's very true. I mean, um, if you know what you can do, what your opponent can do, then you already know the optimal counters, right? You never have to do anything else but move optimally. And the other piece to this is if you know both, guess what happens you need to spend less mental energy trying to figure out what they can do because you already know what they can do and so you aren't spending a lot of mental energy playing this game whereas your opponent might be and let me tell you When I talk about mental energy, you know, we've talked about this in playing to win um, and preparing for tournaments and stuff back in the earlier segments. Mental energy is so, so key. And it's so important to have a lot of your decisions sort of like being subconscious at like the subconscious level where your hands just move and they move models. And that comes from a lot of practice but also comes from a lot of inherent understanding for how the game itself works at all levels of play, both Mm -hmm. mid-level, high-level, and top table level, but also about how armies interact, because you do not have to play every army in this game to understand how to beat them. All the armies work based, essentially fundamentally, on all the army types that we were talking about. Um, There is some slight deviation. There's a control army type or a sub-army type that we've hinted at here and there, but Like, most armies play exactly as we said, the six army types. Like, if you know them inside and out, then you will know that when I come across a Lurtz's Scouts versus a Rohan army, I essentially know they all, they both operate as mobile armies, but each Mm -hmm. has their inherent strengths and weaknesses.
0: Yeah. right. And that's the thing, like, I I find too with, you know, we talk, you know, we've talked many times about the gotcha. Mm -hmm. And if you know your opponent's army well, you're you're never gonna have a gotcha happen to you. Oh yeah, because you're you're gonna be prepared for it. If you get gotcha, he's not he's not gonna pull out a surprise.
1: Okay. Yeah, if you get gotcha, you didn't know about the situation. But generally speaking, if you get gotcha, it is like the worst mistake that could have been made. And it's not a mistake of movement. It's not a mistake of tactics. It's a mistake of not knowing. Yep. And it's the worst mistake because you're walking into a situation you should know about, but you don't. And so it always, if you've forgotten how an army works, don't hesitate to ask your opponent at the beginning of the game, which isn't the most ideal, don't get me wrong, but don't forget to hesitate to ask your opponent at the beginning of the game. Yay, hey, what's your army? Okay, what does this guy do? What does this guy do? <laughs> most opponents yeah. will, will give you the four one one because they should, um, very quickly, right? Oh, this guy has this. He's got this ability, and blah 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 blah. Um, they're not going to give you their tactics, obviously, but you can sort of suss it out by understanding how the army generally works, right? Like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm going up against um, the, the the you know the Thedon. The Theoden Rider is Legendary Legion. Cool. What's Theoden got? Well, he's got the special Legion rule that, you know, once per game, he does a free heroic strike or heroic combat for all heroes, and then um, gambling has this extra point of might he can give out to one Rohan hero each turn if they, run out of zero, if they go down to zero might, and they can get plus one fight and plus one strength. When you put all that together, you're like, this army cannot charge me. <laughs> Pretty much that's the gist, yeah. you know what I mean? And so... It's about figuring it out. And I will use a Sun Tzu quote uh, that I have just off the top of my head. It's probably an overused, overused Sun Tzu quote uh, that everybody knows. And that is, um, you know, your, your plan of attack never survives the first engagement.
0: Yeah, right? it's, it's a similar quote to the one I had, yep. which was, um, no plan survives contact with the enemy. Those are two yep. sort of parallel Mm-hmm. And then, meanings uh, parallel meanings yeah
1: and yeah and, and the reason why it doesn't work is because and this is both for and against right you know like when you charge in in your cav force and you know you can hit your opponent's battle line you can have three four attacks on the charge and you can whiff all your attack rolls guess what you've done nothing you didn't win maybe you lost your combats and the guys died that can happen so tips and tricks to a mega win all right, Don, we're getting on to the, my favorite section, subsection of
0: this topic. We're, this is the meaty. Is this the meatiest section of this?
1: Well, it's almost always the meatiest section because we're we're, laying, <laughs> we're spilling the beans on how you can win uh, big on these events. Ah, uh,
0: Okay. All right. You know what I, mean? I got it.
1: Uh, so to the death, surprise, surprise, the first tip or trick is uh, the banner. Uh, if you have a, If you can take a banner, you should. Um, I know some people don't. And got to tell you, big mistake. You really need a banner. Unless you're playing an army like Fiefdoms, where like Emrahil has a 12-inch banner on his own. Yeah. In those cases, I could see why you wouldn't. But, you know, you, most armies that can take a banner should, because there's a couple of key missions where having a banner gives you points, and it gives you momentum. And for 25 points, to have some big momentum in those missions is, is nothing to sniff at.
0: Yeah, I think the only reason I used to not take a banner was just because of the high point cost, you know, because if you're playing, if you're, say, playing orcs, you're like losing four models to take the banner. And, you know, it is fairly easy to kill the banner bearer. Of course, you can hand it off. But, you know, there are ways to prevent that.
1: Mm hmm. Right. I counter that with uh, it gives um key sections of your battle line and extra dice in the dual roll. That's right, not an extra yeah. attack. We've already caught ourselves on that. Thank you, Garrett. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh an extra dice in the dual roll. And that we means roll. exactly. Well, it gives you an extra dice in the dual, dual roll, effectively. Um, because especially with your heroes, right? Like a, a three-attack hero becomes a four dice in the dual roll hero. Um mm-hmm. that's pretty big. And you know, it two is. to three conversely. So, uh, what's the first thing you should know about banners? Um, you should surround your banner. Surprise, surprise. Uh, you should have at least two models in base contact with your banner um, and that aren't banner bearers and that aren't uh, shield models that are on the battle line, ideally. Because if your banner bearer does die, and that tends to happen a fair amount in this game because the two points can swing a game from a win to a loss or a loss to a win very quickly. Um, the banner bearer can pass it along to another model. So you always want to make sure that there's a model that your banner bearer can pass along to, but also making sure that there's a model that your banner bearer's Um, number one person that they're going to pass to has another person beside them. So you're almost creating like a Congo effect because I've seen the banner die two or three times in a single turn. So having that Congo effect allows you to continue passing your banner along instead of being like, whoops, I've run out of guys and now my banner has gone.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, and obviously, like your opponent is always going to try to prevent that handoff from happening. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having an extra guy in contact with your banner can can help prevent that. Like, because it is fairly easy to pull a guy pull a banner bearer away from his his buddy who is about to take the banner.
1: Mm-hmm. The other piece there is like having multiple models around a banner bearer does a couple other things. One, you are able to protect against compel or other sorts of abilities that allow your your opponent to move your, your banner. Um, and the second piece is if you're going up against flying opponents, they have the ability to jump over your battle line, and if you don't have models surrounding your banner, they are a quick, easy death, and that can cost you quite substantially. Now that we've talked about positioning, Don, what do you think about other ways in which the banner can benefit us?
0: all right well let me read your handy dandy uh notes here you know we're
1: trying to go with the organic transition there but clearly that did not work
0: hey who are we trying to get here (laughs) Uh, banner momentum and i like this point it's 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 a good point when you've got a banner and your opponent doesn't have a banner like you've obviously got an advantage and you can just let that stand and and win the game to nothing so it kind of does force them to come to you um and that means like you can set up your forces exactly how you want and you know lay down some solid shooting lanes for your opponent to walk into um so just having the banner if your opponent doesn't have a banner it puts you in a very good position at the beginning of the game because you can kind of sort of dictate the pace
1: very much so Like, if you don't have a banner and your opponent does, oftentimes you're going to be burning might if you've got March to do heroic marches to get to them as fast as possible, right? And so all of a sudden you're now creating a a might deficit where, like, you may have been equal with your opponent at the beginning of the game, but because they had a banner and a decent shooting lane, uh, you have to burn might to get through that shooting lane as fast as possible and avoid getting you know trampled by arrow fire. So, yeah, the the banner momentum is nothing to sniff at, and it's the big reason for why 33% bow limit and a banner should be in most, if not all, lists.
0: Yeah, it's always good to see your opponent burn two or three points of might spending marches.
1: Yeah, and especially gives you the opportunity to have some space to maybe dismount a hero, an enemy hero or two, especially one that you can't fight uh, and while they're mounted. So Yep. Uh, the other so now we've talked about the awesome benefits of having a banner and why you should have one What if you're that poor soul that doesn't have a banner or whether you uh, that individual who just loves charging ahead regardless? And your opponent has a banner. So what are we going to do to sort of um, kill that banner and you know equalize a playing field if you don't have a banner or if um, you know you just want to get up on a two-point um, you know VP Um, advantage on your opponent
0: or if your opponent started the game quickly and managed to kill your banner so like you start the game both with a banner so you're both going to get one point Mm -hmm. and then boom your opponent kills your banner so now you know you're potentially giving your opponent two points that's the one thing about the banner and and talking Mm -hmm. about the points for the banner like it's one one if you both have a banner but if if you're able to kill the opponent's banner they don't just lose a point you also gain that point effectively that's a big transition of points yeah yeah so it's really important to look at it that way like if you've both got a banner you know if you eliminate their banner you're not only eliminating their one point Mm -hmm. but you're actually gaining that point
1: yeah i mean like this mission is about three things breaking your opponent killing or wounding their leader and the banner like that's your three put components of this mission. So if you want to max your your VPs in this mission, playing the banner games well is how you pull a ten. Is how you take a ten nothing and move it into like a twelve nothing. So the first step is is magic. Like if you have magic in your army, that you're 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 well on your way to success against the banner. Okay because you can drop a Sorceress Blast into a Banner Bear in the ways don't matter. You can knock a Banner Bear down in that case, knock him into a, a model that he, the, the Banner might be in, in contact with, and then all of a sudden, they're taking a strength five hit, and then a strength three hit for something hitting something else. The person they're knocking into is taking also a strength three hit, right? Now, there's a reason why I said have two models in base contact with a Banner Bear. Especially against magic, and the reason is uh, sorceress blast has been nerfed, right? So the model, uh, the the first model that is hit essentially um, by the um, sorceress blasted model, automatically stops the, the 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 sorceress blasted model from continuing onwards, right? And so if you're in base contact with two buddies, only one buddy goes down, right? And all of a sudden, there's probably good odds that your banner bearer is going to die. And the reason why you want two buddies is because you cannot pass a banner off to another prone model. You have to pass it off to a standing model. So if you've only got one buddy beside you and you're both not prone and the banner bearer dies, the banner's lost.
0: Is that actually a rule? I didn't yeah, even know that's that's that actually,
1: rule. It's under, uh, actually under the banner rule. Oh, wow. I, I did my research this time around. Um, Good for you. Yeah, so that's why it's so important. This and Hurl, which we'll talk about later on, um, can be very devastating to banner bearers in a very indirect way. Okay? Yeah,
0: and even though it's not magic per se, you also have like things like the Wood Elf Sentinel and their mm-hmm. song of movement, whatever yep. it's called, or you have the uh, Deadmarsh Specter with mm-hmm. with their ability. Light um, you. May the force be with you
1: fell light within you get out of here yeah that's it uh okay ash from the evil dead series (laughs) uh so anyways the other things are if you're not surrounding your if your opponent's not surrounding their banner with multiple models you can pull a compel off like you compel the banner model away he doesn't even have as long as he's not in base contact with another model so it could be a fraction of an inch as long as they're not in base contact you have two ring race you build a compel with one black dart with the other bang banners off the table right and then there's the worst one and this is in moria this is, i love this model so much the black the gundabad black shield shaman and that is the spell shatter shatter's been upgraded since the last edition it will blow up any piece of war gear except for staves of power um staves of power sorry and uh the one ring And the beauty is, if you're hitting a non-hero banner bearer with a shatter, there's no stopping. It does not matter how many models they're surrounded by, the banner just explodes.
0: Wow, that's brutal.
1: Yeah, that's why shatter in a Moria list is very good. And in fact, if you're playing Moria, uh, a Gundabad Black Shield Shaman is almost an auto-include for that particular reason. Right. Uh oh, that's
0: that is that is rough, yeah, because if you, yeah. you can't resist it, um, mm-hmm. it's just it's automatic, yeah.
1: Yeah. That blowing up warhorns and if your opponent gets a bad roll and a resist, you could blow up Andoril and all of a sudden Aragorn King LSR is unarmed. So Nice. Yeah. Anyways, so we've talked about magic, Don What do you think about combat? What are ways in which um, the banner can be defeated in combat?
0: Um, well, of course, the ever-awesome heroic combat. Um, you know, like a lot of the times you'll find yourself with an opportunity to call a heroic combat against, you know, if you're in combat with one or two models mm-hmm. and you can either um, – if if you're charging like directly into the front of the enemy's line and you hit two models Mm -hmm. and you're able to kill both of them and call a heroic combat if your opponent is not careful and those two line models represented their front line Mm -hmm. you can like charge right through into their backfield and engage their banner and even if they have a guy standing you know touching the banner you can engage both of them and kill Mm -hmm. both so there's no handing it off because they both die Um, so that's kind of you know you can do that from the front if they've only got like a one rank deep uh, front line Mm -hmm. Um, or if you do the same thing but you know commonly we always talk about cavalry being on the flank Um, so usually what you do is you know you charge in um, with a mounted hero hit two models knock them down charge two more which are relatively close to that model Mm -hmm. and kill those two. Well, what you could do instead is maybe only charge even one model and not with the intention of killing like maximum number of models, but it's actually using the full 10 inches of your move once you actually kill that one model and you just charge one model to like absolutely guarantee that you kill that model and able to springboard. Yeah. And then you use the full 10 inches of your move to get like right around the back into the banner. Yeah. Um, and you can kill the banner that way. It is a bit of a risk because you're putting your hero like right in the in the back of your opponent's army. Um, but, you know, you, you will end up doing... Uh, a heroic move off um, next turn probably to try to get yourself out of there um, but it can definitely be worth it especially if the rest of your army is already engaging your opponent from the front then it's much lower risk
1: yeah the other thing is and this is especially effective is that if your hero has heroic defense right you do the you do the heroic combat you swing around and if you're good position you can kill the banner bearer and then you get swarmed. Why well, don't you just call heroic defense, right? If you've got two wounds, two fate, and you got a heroic defense coming around, um, the odds are you're going to survive a couple turns doing that, and you're going to pull huge resources off your opponent because your opponent's going to think, "Ooh, I'm going to throw my hero at my opponents here who just made a really bad move," and then mm-hmm. you're going to heroic defense potentially for two turns, uh, soaking up that big hero that's attacking you, and all of a sudden they're not attacking your battle line, right? And again to the death is all about killing infantry so if you can pull their hero off your battle line because they're trying to think that they can get a quick kill on your hero that charged around um, that's a big win for you
0: yeah and even if you're mounted like you can call you can call a heroic defense and they may kill your horse but if you've if you've still got you know you know if you start with three points of might you use one to call the um, the heroic move. You've still got two in your pocket to call heroic defenses for the next two turns, yeah. and by by the time that runs out, you're probably going to be okay because, you know, combat is like fully engaged all over the place at that point. So yeah,
1: yeah. By that point in time, I would suspect that you've probably broken um, a, a segment or two of their battle line apart, and you've got models that are sort of swarming in. Um, Especially because you're pulling resources off their battle line to, to have them try to kill your hero, so mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's definitely one way. And it's heroic combat, not heroic moved on.
0: Oh, did I say heroic move? You, you did, yeah. My bad. It's My all bad. good. Sorry. It's all
1: good. Uh, so the other piece is brutal power attacks. And we're talking monsters here, and monsters can be especially effective at killing banners with the right brutal power attacks. Not all of them, but the right ones. Um, the probably the least effective but most surprising one is barge. Okay, so barge can allow your monster to move on through um, like a battle line, right? And potentially catch an unsuspecting banner bearer that thought themselves safe, right? So you charge in, you declare a barge um, after you've won the combat, and all of a sudden your opponent's gonna have to back up, right? Now, a canny opponent's smart and um, they, they position enough stuff in the way that they can just say I elect not to move and all of a sudden the barge kind of fails Um, but sometimes you can catch your opponent off guard with this move where they just can't put anything in the way to block you and all of a sudden you've pushed models out of the way that you're in combat with and you've got a d6 move uh, into the banner bear and when that happens your monster's going to squish that banner so quickly it's not even fun
0: yeah and honestly it's um, you know I've been playing this game for a long time I've played a lot of games and i'll tell you barge is the least used of the brutal power attacks Mm -hmm. and it's because it is complicated yeah and you know even i like i have to read that frequently to get my head around it and i Mm -hmm. whenever i do see people use it quite often it's played incorrectly um and I think that's just one of the reasons why you don't see it as much is because it is it's a complicated rule. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to it's difficult to follow.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's what is it? It's um, the models in front and the models engaged in the spear supports have to move, but anyone else after that doesn't have to move. Right? You can elect not to. Right, so how it works is the models in front and the spear supports have to do a three inch move back with the barging player getting to choose which uh, which model to move and they have moved directly away. Um, the full three inches, okay? Um, but if there's subsequent models behind them, they can elect not to move. So when I was saying before a candy player, if the candy player sees the, the barge coming, they can their, their, their main, their front rank has two models. They can choose just to shield with those two guys. And you go, I'm going to, I'm going to barge. Right. And the back two spear guys were not actually in the combat. They were just shielded because the front rank was shielding and the back two spear guys can say, we weren't in the combat. We're just not going to move. And it kills a barge solid, like right there, boom, on the spot. So it's about sort of spotting that. But if your opponent doesn't catch it and you're able to, to sort of plow a path through, you can very much get to a banner bearer. But you're right, Don, it's a very, it's not seen as often.
0: And And in order to uh, pull that move off, you would have to have a full understanding of how barge works. yes, Or else you would just play normally and say, okay, well, my spears are going to support and I'm going to fight and, oh, I've lost the fight. Now what happens? I don't know this rule.
1: Yeah, so it's definitely an option um, that I guarantee you if you know this rule inside and out, your opponent more than likely won't and won't see it coming. Okay, so that's the first. The second, more obvious one, is hurl. Okay? Unlike Sorceress Blast... Hurl, which has been nerfed, you know, six ways, from, six ways from sundown, uh, is able to continue going through the original model. That you know, so so if you pick up a guy, you throw him down the D three plus three inches line, right? Um, it'll keep going just the max distance, it doesn't stop on the first model. And why that's so important is a couple things. One, if you've got a a line, and again, this is why I say it's slightly more difficult because hurl has been nerfed. But if you've got an actual line that you position your monster with that puts it through a hero, or sorry, your banner, sorry. You can pick up that model, you can hurl it down, knock the banner bear over. Two things happen here. One, the banner is no longer providing its banner effect. So that's one, that's a great thing, no longer the reroll. Two, the Banner takes a Strength 3 hit. If the Banner Bear fails to hit, the Strength 3, they die. Because Barge knocks everybody over in the range, it doesn't matter how many models are around the Banner Bear, they're all going to get knocked down if they're in base contact with him.
0: You said barge, but what you mean? Thank hurl. you,
1: hurl. There yeah. we go. See, thank you. That's what we're here for, helping each other out. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you get the hurl off, uh, it doesn't matter how many models are generally around the banner bear, they're all going to get knocked down, right? With a well positioned hurl. And as again, but um, if your everyone around the, the banner bear is prone, you can't pass the banner off. The banner just is disappeared and it's gone.
0: Now the banner the distance rolled, you said D three plus three, but is it is it not the difference in strength or something? It is.
1: Yeah. Generally speaking, it's like I say D three plus three.
0: It's like the average. It's
1: like the average because right. you get yeah. like a strength seven monster versus a strength four infantry, or it's a strength six monster versus strength three infantry. Yeah. But yeah, it averages anywhere between two and five. Very rarely do you see it go above five, and that's usually Gullivar versus an elf or something. <laughs> um so yeah so that's that will be hurl uh, I, li- and-
0: I like that option uh, also because of the knocking prone and then like it rem- even if the guy survives the banner effect is gone yeah
1: exactly
0: you know so you could you could lead with that attack mm-hmm. um, you know and do the hurl and even if the banner lives it's, it's not going to affect any of the other combats after that
1: exactly uh, and then what that can do is that's a beautiful setup. So like if you knock a banner bearer prone and, and some of the more expensive banners, for example, actually this is a great example, um, Boromir, right? Boromir gets knocked prone. He's got his banner of the white tower giving plus one fight value. If you are knocked prone, all the benefits the banner gives are nullified while well, you're prone. So all of a sudden you lose plus one fight value, right? And so all of a sudden your whole battle line within six inches of Boromir just drops down a notch. And that can be the difference between going from fight four to fight three or from fight five to fight four. So if you're you're a canny player knocks down uh, that banner bear, all of a sudden what should have been tied combats could be you have higher fight value. So that is just in and of itself a, a useful tactic.
0: Wow, I never even realized that. Yeah, there you go. Amazing. One thing, are you ready for another quote? Yes, hit me with it i got one because like all of these things that we're talking about are very like micro intense mm-hmm. um, the, these are tactical moves the, the, the these aren't strategies these are battlefield tactics and you really have to sort of be able to see this kind of stuff and so here's the quote it's from a chess player again named and i'll, I'll get this last name wrong it's max eu mm. and this and the quote is Strategy requires thought, tactics require observation. It's
1: very true. That's very true. Um, because,
0: like, you really have to be looking at the the placement of models, and you know what what you can do with your might or your hurls or you know magic and all of this kind of stuff to see to see these moves in order to isolate that banner and and mm-hmm. kill them. Well, yeah, because your strategy
1: is the banner. Right, that's the overall strategy. But how you go about it is a turn-by-turn situation, and it's very much as you said, the tactics of it, and observing yeah. and looking for that kill. Um, and that's why, you know, many episodes back, we've said, um, you know, understanding your army inside and out is so critical because if you know your army backwards and forwards, you've played it many times, you understand it, its intrinsic value, and everything it can do. You no longer have to think about the basics or even moderate level play with your with your army because it's on autopilot. Your subconscious is just doing it. And that allows you to have that opportunity to just observe, uh, to observe the battlefield, the ebb and flow of it, and spot those opportunities that you can create. Because if you're trying to figure out the basics of your list, you're going to miss that advanced gameplay. That's why it's so critical not to walk into a tournament having never played your army before
0: yeah and it's one of the reasons why um all you quote unquote top player type guys you take these units that have these kind of tricks um you know magic or um those spell like abilities you know extra points of might mounts for fast moving you know that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. like when you're when you're just playing a, a grinded out type army with like just like a captain and and 12 warriors there's there's a lot less of these tricks that you can do
1: yeah well that's the name of the game right is is your toolbox right and your toolbox is where all your tricks go and the more tricks you have the better you are equipped to handle any situation that's mm-hmm, why shooting exactly. magic, um, you know, cav, um, any sort of special rules your army has, or abilities that certain models have, like all of these things are so critical. That's why I, I, I'm constantly talking about heroic defense. I cannot speak enough of it. It is equal, as equal um, as, as heroic strike, because it can um, it can log jam an enemy hero. For one, two, three, potentially three or four turns, and that in mm-hmm. and of itself, best return on your investment is taking is is stopping a big hero from being able to make its points back, which we talked about a couple episodes ago make its points back from sheer killing power. If that model is designed just to kill infantry, and you stall it for four turns, it will never make
0: its points yeah. back. Nothing better than stopping momentum than a heroic <laughs> defense. Oh,
1: it just, you see the look on your opponent's face, they're just like, oh.
0: Just like, what does that do again? <laughs> it's like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, let's move off of a banner, and, and let's talk about the race to 25%. That's right. Yeah. Because this... This mission, it's the only mission in the game which potentially will give you seven VPs for quartering your army. So that would be five for breaking them, assuming you're not broken, and two more for quartering them. Um, So this mission, that's what it's all about. It's, It's about decimating your opponent <laughs> um, and killing as many of their models as fast as you can with losing as few of yours because you don't want to get broken because no. you know if you don't get broken you get the five points Oh absolutely um, and then if and you know once you get them down to 25 that five becomes seven mm-hmm. and you're looking definitely at a huge win.
1: yeah and I mean how do you do it? the basics are <clears throat> you're not killing heroes you're neutralizing them, you are killing infantry. Everything you do must be bent towards killing infantry because infantry make up the number of models needed to break. Killing all the heroes won't get you anywhere near break. So if you're not playing against a linebreaker army, and I'm saying this specifically, um, your focus for all your heroes should be on killing your opponent's infantry and whatever tricks you have should be on used to neutralize your opponent's heroes. Like that's how it should be because you, you the, As long as your heroes are killing more models than your opponent's heroes, you stand a very good chance of breaking them first and taking the win
0: and you you mentioned as long as you're not playing a linebreaker army and the reason you said that I'll just clarify is because if you're playing a linebreaker army your opponent is going to have a bunch of heroes and they're going to be in your face so you're going to have to deal with them mm-hmm. you you won't you won't have the luxury to like choose to go after their warriors
1: yeah i mean a linebreaker force is going to generally have less models than you because they focus their points on heroes right but here's the thing, if you ignore the linebreaker heroes and be like, oh, he's got, you know, he's got 25 models and I've got 45, that's not a big deal. I'll just grind through those 25. Well, guess what? On generally speaking, I've using a linebreaker army, I kill about, depending upon the number of heroes I have, kill anywhere between 16 and 20 models in a turn. Infantry. So that 20 model, 25 model advantage you had on me evaporates turn one of real combats. And so, if you're not stalling my heroes out and letting your infantry kill my infantry with traps and and, and overwhelming them, you're losing. You're gonna lose the game, guaranteed. This is one of the missions for a line because they're so good at breaking their opponent as fast as possible. So you have to counter that immediately, right out the gate.
0: No, for sure. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So when we twe- last mission, we talked about might usage. And we talked, you know, in, in was it um, to the Lords of Battle, we talked about, or was it domination? I don't remember. it was, it was domination. We talked about saving that might for heroic combats and heroic moves um, after your opponent's broken so that you can sort of dash towards objectives. This one is all about heroic combats if your heroes are mounted to kill as many heroes as possible, as many, many infantry as possible. Because again, it's the infantry killing game, so heroic combat with a mounted hero is a a yes, because it takes you from two models killed to four models killed. You have two or three heroes doing that, you're, you're so up in the game it's not even funny
0: yeah exactly and even if you're like if your heroes aren't mounted because like i i do play with quite a few heroes that aren't mounted then you can still throw them into two models like two warrior models mm-hmm. a turn and you know you don't get the knockdown and, and all that so you're more likely going to be using your mic to to get uh multiple kills um and, you know, those those kills may not get you to break in two to three turns, but like you're still you're still going after their warriors and you're still making good headway there.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally agree. And this mission, like, well, every mission has momentum, right? But the reason why the momentum swings so quickly in this mission is because break is everything in other games your opponent breaks, well, the momentum could swing back against you if you're not on the objectives when your opponent breaks, right? So momentum can be a fickle thing in those missions. But as this mission, everything is about the break. If you are plowing through your opponent's infantry and you're so far up on the 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 warrior kill game that you're going to break your opponent in one to two turns tops, and they're like four or five turns from breaking you, you have swung the momentum in your favor so badly that the pressure is on your opponent in a big way and that pressure can cause them to make mistakes. So it's like you want to create the snowball effect as quickly as you can
0: you talked about this part about it or and in one of our early episodes i forgot what we called it but it was like about the psychology of a mm-hmm. situation and even though it's it, it, your opponent could be in a position where you know if you if let's let's say you did that devastating charge and you you know you killed 12 14 models or 16 models in a turn and you know it's it's devastating to the the morale of the other player um and even though they could easily be in a position to also break your army Mm -hmm. which drastically now will reduce the amount of points you're gonna get they could also just kind of throw in the towel you know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm. They could just be like, "Ah, uh, this is over." You know yep. that we're just going through the motions. And it's like, no, no. You could still, you could still. You know, maybe you're not going to pull out a win or even a draw, but you can still break my army. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the opponent will just psychologically they'll mm-hmm. they'll they'll give it up. You know?
1: Yeah, and I mean, here's the crazy thing: if you know you're going to break, well, if you can kill your opponent's leader right? Because that still nets you three VPs if you kill them. So then it's, I just need to break you. And then all of a sudden, your five VPs goes to two. And I get two. And I killed your leader, and I have now three. So now I have five, and you have two, as long as I keep my leader away from you. So all of a sudden, when you're close to breaking, sometimes it's better just to allow it to happen. And say, how can I win this still well i need to just break him before a quarter if i can get a leader kill that puts me up big time in points and if by some miracle i kill his banner assuming both of you have banners i kill his banner and i still have mine i take a win even though he broke me first and he yeah. quartered me
0: because like the four components of, of victory points in this mission although they are like distinctly different they all are connected to each other in a way so even if your army got broke really early you know you can still mitigate your potential loss by not letting yourself drop to 25 Mm percent not letting your opponent kill your banner going after their leader and wounding or killing their leader and not letting them kill yours the game isn't lost just Mm -hmm. if you get broken yeah. So it's important to remember in this mission that, you know, it is about destroying the other army, but there are ways to, you know, pull it back.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there are so many ways to pull it back and it's especially important to note that if you're like, he's going to break this turn, I'm going to break this turn, he's going to break next turn, worst case two turns from now. The goal is I need to not be quartered in two turns. Cool, I can do that. I can just shield, I can block as much as I can, throw as many dice at the situation to stop this. Okay, now how do I win this? Well um, again as I said, you're looking at leader, you're looking at banner. These are things that are doable. And also VP denial, take your hero off the table by moving them away from the battle line to prevent those yeah. VPs from being lost. Um, you know, you know, can if still take and if
0: if you've lost your banner, you know, kill the other guy's banner because that mm. banner for them is now worth two points. Yep. Kill that banner and remove those two points.
1: Right, exactly. So let's jump into, which is exactly what we're talking about, defending against the break, okay? Um, while break, breaking your opponent is key to victory, um, being broken can cause you to lose the game because you can get quartered first, right? So like I might go full, you know, hog, hog wild uh, into in plowing into my opponent and break them. But then if they break me and somehow stall me out, I could be quartered just on... You know courage and, and stand fast because um, if he tags all my heroes and I can't make stand fast rolls, and my kids uh, can't use the stand fast ability then all of a sudden my potentially low courage models just run off the table and I get quartered and I lose the game so it's always you're this type of game you're playing an attack and defend this is very much an attack and defend Unlike other games where it's like retrieval, where you're going to defend your base while going to run out and get some other objective, this is an attack and defend game while you're on the line. Like you are fighting and you're pushing to get kills, but at the same time you're positioning yourself in such a way that you're minimizing the number of kills you're you're giving up.
0: Yeah, it's like if you get into a, 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 a line fight, a grinding fight, that's... It's not really what you want in this mission, honestly, no. uh, unless, unless at some point in, in the battle line, you have your heroes doing all kinds of heavy lifting and getting all kinds of kills. Um, yeah, th- that's this game will just time out. Like if, if that's if that's what's happening in your game, you're going to likely go to time and it's, it's not going to be a big win.
1: Yeah, exactly. You'll grind out maybe like a two point win or it might be a draw. So there's two things we have to look at when we're, um, when we're talking about um, defending against the break. The first is countering heroes, and the second is countering infantry. So we'll talk about countering heroes first. And this really is shown to be looked at if your opponent has more heroes than you, so line breaker, or your opponent has, has heroes that are especially effective at crunching and munching infantry. And I'm talking about models that have a free point of might, aragorn models that do free hero combats so thorin or elendil and they can just start chewing through your models as fast as possible and with while burning very little resources so you Mm -hmm. really need to counter them okay and the first is surprising
0: um go for it one of the things you can use to to counter is is probably the most common is with magic it's the transfixer or the compel you know um, that, that is a really flawless way of, of countering a big hero because, yep. you know, they have to defend on, against it, especially in a mission like this. They have to use their resources to prevent it because you, it's a guaranteed way of like removing a turn from them. You know, it's an easy spell to cast, Transfix. It's Mm -hmm. easy to get that spell off. Um, So they kind of have to resist it. So at the very least, they're using a point of will and maybe a point of might. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, they lose a turn. So they, you know, it's a really good way to chew up their resources or take them out of the game for a turn.
1: Yeah. And now caveat to this. Most heroes that you want to do this to have three will or some other ability, like magic resistance. So you need space and you need time to whittle down their will. What I'm referring to is your your sort of pre-engagement casting. You're casting things like transfix to keep them to stop them from moving or to compel, to move them away from you, to not allow you to reach your battle line. And really those aren't to do any of that. It's really just to get them to, to use up their will. Because if they're at zero will when the lines engage, they're not resisting your spells. Their spells are going off all the time. you know. And if you can stall an Aragorn, you can stall a big hero out like a Boromir for like five turns using a 271 unnamed Ringwraith, uh, that Ringwraith just won you the game.
0: Absolutely. Right. And the other big one here is dismounting your enemy heroes Mm -hmm. that's huge we've talked about that so many times in the past and you know that using magic is certainly one way to do that and um you've got you've got sorceress blast here drew Mm -hmm. which to me is if your opponent is not careful with their model placement it's so easy It's so easy to do. The hardest part is actually just getting the spell to go off, but making (laughs) it work is so easy because you you just, you, you, Sorceress Blast a Warrior into a mounted model and it Mm -hmm. can't be resisted. So it's just all about rolling the five plus, really. (laughs) Pretty much. Isn't it? Yeah, it's all about
1: rolling the five plus. But here's the crazy thing Um, if that option's not available, Sorceress Blasting the hero, if it goes off, it's going off on a five. That's not a one will thing you throw at it. You might no. throw a two will at that, right? And so for you, it's like I burnt a point of will to get him to perm two. I'm up on the will game right yeah
0: that's why the witch king um so like good. what's the crown uh like the crown, crown is so good because you can throw one dice and get a re-roll mm-hmm. and you you know I, I believe correct me if i'm wrong but the odds are with you with getting a, a five plus in that situation
1: yeah i think it's something to the effect of 55 because it's a five plus rerollable, um and it's yeah. about 55 percent and The beauty about things like Black Dart or Galadra, Lady of Light, from the Vanquisher's Banishment is that um, you can target the horse, right? So you don't even have to target the the hero. And when you're targeting the horse, if they don't have Fortify Spirit or Magic Resistance, that horse has no way of stopping it. So it's taking that shot right to the face, and you watch that scene where you see like the the hero, like if the horse just falls down and the hero just flies over top, that's pretty much what'll happen to to your opponent's hero if they get Black Darted. Are their horse black darted?
0: Yeah, black dart. Now you don't. It, this isn't magic, and you don't have this mentioned here. But um, I don't know if you have this mentioned later on. But this is where models like Grima, um, or um, what's the ring race that forces you to spend additional uh, oh, the drummer like. The Dwimmer Lake, yeah, that's where models like this can be really useful from uh, from defending, you know, these mm-hmm. rampaging heroes, because it it really stifles their um, their heroic stats. It really makes them use additional points of might mm-hmm. and slows them down.
1: Agreed. I keep saying, like, if Grima wasn't attached to Saruman, you could just bring Grima in an Isengard list. I think Isengard <laughs> would be a top tier army. Like, hands down. Oh, God, yeah. 20 to 35 points for a model that drains your opponent's resources? Yes, please. <laughs> uh, anyways, moving on. Um, the next thing, my favorite... This is my favorite heroic action. Heroic defense. Your opponent has an Elendil. They're plowing into you. And you have Groblog. A 50 point Moria Goblin. Groblog runs out, charges into Elendiel, calls heroic defense. Elendiel goes, Well, crud. I now have to fight through and hopefully I roll some sixes. Because uh, my strength five with my two handed weapon means absolutely bubkiss. But more importantly, Groblog just stopped a heroic combat. Because the odds of Elendiel hucking triple sixes to kill Groblog, especially if Elendiel didn't charge, is so astronomically low. It's not happening so having models with heroic defense especially mounted models with heroic defense which is why i believe faramir is much better than here because he has it um and having those models with heroic defense just gives you so much ability for on-demand opponent hero shutdown i on demand charge into your hero heroic defense bang shut you down it's such an easy ability last but not least when it comes to countering heroes infantry i know this is a shocker uh, throwing a single warrior at your opponent's hero. Uh, that's the when in doubt scenario. Because remember, um, your, your opponent's heroes, as well as your heroes, want to kill four models a turn, if they're mounted, obviously. right? Because that the, gets the, the infantry kill count up high. But it, uh, everything you can do to lessen that number is so ideal. So if you win the heroic move off, you throw one infantry in uh, to stall a hero out, of course they'll call a heroic combat, of course they'll kill that model, probably swing themselves into two other um, infantry, and all of a sudden they're killing three models, not four. Or if you positioned yourself well, um, all your other models are engaged. So what happens is they might kill that one model they're fighting Heroic combat into another model, but can't get a second unengaged model. So they can only kill him to that turn, which really lessens their impact.
0: Yeah, the only time I think you would maybe choose not to do that and attack them with more is if, like, you've used the example of Faramir. So let's stick Mm -hmm. with Faramir mounted with a lance, let's say, okay? Mm -hmm. And he loses... um, the heroic move off yeah okay so you're gonna charge him with at least one model Yeah. now he can still call a heroic combat mm-hmm. and with confidence get the heroic combat kill that one model and charge two more yeah. what you could do is actually charge him with three models because mm-hmm. there's no possible way he can kill three models that's true because he he only has two attacks now It does mean he may kill two of your models, but it also means that you're going to get at least three attacks, and if you have spear supports around, you may have six attacks Mm -hmm. and you may have a banner. So you may actually win the combat.
1: That is true. So, yeah, this situation is kind of, it's it's very subjective in the sense that there are moments where you have a mounted two attack model. If you can swarm them, not a bad idea. But by throwing only one hero at them, you're sort of like like, like egging them on. Hey, take that heroic combat. Take that heroic combat. Get yourself yeah. moving. Because really you just want them to burn their might inefficiently. Because you said
0: if, one, one hero, but you meant one warrior. Throw you, one yeah, warrior so, at yeah.
1: yeah, so if you throw that one warrior at that hero, that mounted hero, and you're like, take that heroic combat. Take that Hero Combat. Kill that warrior. And all of a sudden, they kill that warrior, and it's like, perfect. You're being inefficient with your might. I'm waiting for you to gas yourself on might so you have no might left. Then I'm going to swarm you with warriors, and I'm probably going to kill you because a two-attack hero um, that's not charging is two attacks, and generally speaking, they're strength four, and if I've swarmed you, I'm going to kill your horse, and I'm going to start working you down, and you're not going to be of much benefit at that point.
0: Well, when you're only rolling two dice instead of four dice, it's so much easier to boss your roll.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. The other one is if you're a sneaky evil player, and essentially here is you throw that one model in, ideally a low defense model, right? Dives in that low defense warrior, dives into the mounted hero, and then in the shooting phase, you've aligned, you've lined up certain number of your heroes or certain number of your your warriors with bows to just unload into that combat because you can shoot into combats. And your goal here is twofold. One, you single roll your your attacks because your goal is to kill your own model first, right? One, it, it kills the hero combat potential and you've limited your opponent to one kill with for that hero, quote-unquote kill, um, for that turn. But secondly, if you can get three or four shots off into a hero in that scenario, you might dismount them. And you've you've done yourself a world of uh, a benefit in that situation.
0: No, oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I love the shooting into the combat strategy. Um, definitely one of my favorite Isengard strategies. Mine too.
1: So we've talked about uh, countering heroes, Don. What do you think about countering infantry?
0: Well, countering infantry, um, yeah, so there's a lot of ways to counter infantry, and one of them is terror. Um, if you have a, an army with a lot of terror in it, uh, it potentially limits the number of infantry models your opponent can engage your forces with. Um, you know, this is the single best way of countering infantry uh, and preventing them from racking up kills when you don't want them to, because, well, they just can't get into base-to-base contact with you.
1: Yeah, and I mean if you factor in harbinger all of a sudden now it's minus one and if you want to get real crazy assuming for a moment here you have um you have a mordor army right or even an angmar army with enough spirit heroes to give your orcs terror blasting heroes with draining courage and lowering their courage value down to effectively one can limit heroes, stop heroes from being able to charge totally against your terror wall. So it's not just about countering infantry. You can also counter heroes if you have the right the right tools in place. Absolutely. What else do you think would work against countering infantry?
0: Um, I'll go for the defense seven. Okay. Okay. Um, Um, just you know we were just talking about this off here but (laughs) defense seven and also shields like shields for shielding Mm -hmm. and defense seven just because okay most heroes are strength four Mm -hmm. which still means they need a six the magical six to kill uh defense seven model so like you can easily just you know swarm a hero with defense seven models and mm-hmm. it's like yeah okay it's one of the things i've done like several times in tournaments playing Kazid guard mm-hmm. is if you ever encounter an elrond on foot it's like hey meet these four Kazid guard hey play with these guys for a few turns and it's like yep. they you know they they um they automatically pass against his terror mm-hmm. and their defense seven so you just you you <laughs> surround him every turn and it's like okay you better win the combat or else you're gonna get hit with eight strength four attacks yep, yep. Um, you know it, it's strength seven in in this kind of situation and then playing the delay game is so good and that's not even talking about shielding yeah
1: you said strength seven it's defense seven
0: or sorry defense seven yeah we just yeah. get so
1: excited our Words just sort oh, of jumbled yeah, yeah, together, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, strength four—the magic strength four. I remember the days when uh, four, four, six was the holy trinity, right? It's fight four, strength four, defense six—that was it. When you—that was the, the the enchilada. When you looked at infantry, if you saw that, you were good. But just any kind of strength four is amazing because all of a sudden, defense six armies become less menacing when you can kill them on a five. I mean, we talk about you know Minas Tirith. One of its weakest strengths is the fact that its infantry is Strength 3. So we I we often liken it to, like, if two Strength 3, Defense 6 armies sort of clash, it's like the battle of the whiffle bats. They just keep slapping each other, but they're not really doing much of anything. Uh, but Strength 4 can start making mincemeat of Defense 6. But the most important thing is, if your infantry is able to contribute as much as your heroes are in a fight to the death, you have a huge leg up if your opponent doesn't have that as well. And that's it.
0: No, definitely. It's one of the reasons why, you know, um, Isengard has always been a popular army. It's Mm -hmm. just because of that fight for strength for. Um, Having the ability for your warriors to rack up kills um, takes a lot of pressure off your heroes.
1: Agreed. 100% agreed.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. You want to move on to the next segment?
0: Let me finish this off with my last quote. Uh, Okay, here we go. Okay, the, the very last one um, because I think we're talking about a lot of tactics and a lot of strategy in in this topic here about this mission. Oh, yeah. so here it is General George S. Patton. Oh we're going Patton, Dang. we're going with, we're going with Patton that's, that's good tactics up. good tactics can save even the worst strategy. Bad tactics will destroy even the best strategy.
1: Yep, hands down, agree with that. <laughs>
0: there you go. There you it's go. all about the tactics. All about the tactics. Wow, this this section has gone long. I, I don't know. We're almost at time here. I think we're we're. Do we do we have time to do another uh, little segment here? We or what? do.
1: We have time to do. What have I got in my pocket? Come on now, Don.
0: Okay, we'll we'll uh, we'll cut the all that is gold does not glitter this time around. Um, so oh, I Let's think move we on let's do a proper intro we got to say let's move on to the next section okay so go for it say it let's move on to the next section there we go
1: (laughs) all right next segment because we're not stopping we're keeping going Next segment. What have I got in my pocket? The segment where we just because this is the 27th time where I've mentioned this, the 20 probably 25th time i probably mentioned this segment, where we ask each other a random question and the you know, opponent has to our opponent our co fellow co host has to answer it um, on the spot without any thinking.
0: All right. I'm ready. I've got I've Hit got my question it. for Hit you. Hit me with it. Okay, so I liked what I did last t- time, so I'm I'm carrying on yeah, with that. Absolutely. I'm gonna read you I'm gonna read you a quote mm-hmm. and it's gonna be from either The Hobbit or the Lord of the Rings books or from the movies. Oh, wow. um, and you have to guess who's speaking. But I'm gonna throw a, a little bit of a curve at you and I'm gonna tell you I'm only gonna give you one quote because mm-hmm. we're short on time and also there's going to be one that's easy one mm-hmm. that's medium and one that's hard and you get to pick which one and i'll tell you i'll give you one point for the easy two points for the medium okay. three points for the hard uh, i'm gonna go okay? hard
1: i know i'm gonna get it gonna, wrong but you gotta go hard I'm gonna
0: go with the hard okay oh, no, right. so here it is hold on i gotta i gotta He's get my pulling paper pulling the book out no no it's not a book it's it's a piece of paper because oh, i'm not telling you if this is if it's a movie or a book quote oh okay it's being smart okay, here it goes are you ready i'm ready it's not long so there let it lie till the mountain falls he said may it bring good fortune to all his folk that dwell hereafter repeat it oh yeah it's hard And don't blurt out the answer. Give the listeners a chance to uh, try to think of the answer. Okay, here it is. There let it lie till the mountain falls, he said. May it bring good fortune to all his folk that dwell hereafter.
1: May it bring good fortune to all his folk who dwell hereafter.
0: Oh, God. That's right the mountain falls
1: I want to say I don't actually recall this so I want to say um Dane Ironfoot talking about Thorin's death
0: Wow you are very close and I think this is not said in the battle of five armies movie mm-hmm. because you you are correct in what it is about but not who says it it is bard that says it mm. and of course he's talking about the um he's talking about the arkenstone let it lie there till the mountain falls may it bring good fortune to all his folk that dwell hereafter so he's talking about thorin and the arkenstone
1: oh, okay okay there you go. I knew it was something about Thorin and I'm like I, I guessed Dane, but I'm like I should have guessed an outsider. I was oh, thinking Gandalf yeah, yeah. too, and I was like, ugh.
0: So you close. almost had it, and I respect your moxie going for the, the hard. Gotta go for the hard man. Gotta go for the hard and now I gotta replace that one and so like next time I can still have an easy, medium, and hard for you. Kay.
1: I'm just gonna <laughs> go hard every time and get zero points. Yeah, okay, <laughs>
0: All right, and I'll throw some of the other ones in as bonus questions when we have more time.
1: All righty, so here we go. This will be a quick question, Don, and probably a great segue into our next episode. My question to you is is this. Is the new Vanquishers of the Necromancer Legendary (laughs) Legion as unbeatable as everybody says it is?
0: Oh my gosh! Isn't that just crazy? Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, man, it's the uh, there. There's more conversation about this than the Rangers of Athelion <laughs> when they came out. Right. Oh my God, I'm gonna take this army to every tournament and win all my games without even trying. Um. Uh, well, first of all, I still haven't got my book. Oh. Okay. So you know, technically, I'm not all that familiar with the uh, the army because so I haven't been able to sit. And, yeah, I haven't been able to read my book ad nauseum, but, but I, have, uh, I have seen the, the army list and um, they did a great breakdown of it on uh, Out of the Frying Pan, so mm-hmm. I, re- I listened to it there as well. Um, I, I think this army is, is very strong um, in certain situations and in certain um, scenarios, um, like the scenario we just talked about very strong
1: yeah yeah, to the very,
0: very strong um but absolutely not is this unbeatable i think was your question yeah. absolutely not totally beatable um it's an unconventional army though so you you can't play it in a conventional way if you play it in a conventional way you're playing right into the hands of the vanquishers opponent mm-hmm. so i would say no it is absolutely not unbeatable um it is easily beaten in probably half the missions
1: yeah yeah
0: you just have to know how to play against it and you know what i've never played against it not with these new rules so i i could be wrong but um you know i i can you know this is definitely a death star this is the death star of all death stars for mesbg oh yeah um you know so don't run into this army because you're just doing <laughs> you're doing your opponent a favor yep. um you know anyway there's you could have a whole episode talking about this i think so my answer to your question is no it's not unbeatable absolutely not
1: okay that's what i thought and that's my thoughts as well and um you know it's a brand new army out there and everyone's throwing a whole lot of the sky is falling the sky is falling accolades at this and i'm oh, like I know. you know and this is it's played insane. like two tournaments i think and it's just like You know there was a six-game event uh, for the GBHL, Scar and the Cheshire, uh, Cheshire, and I think the three of the Vanquisher lists went there. Two of them went three and three, and one went five and one. So, yeah, clearly it's beatable if it's been beaten seven times uh, at that event.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, like, should we talk about this in an episode at, at length? Or, or do you so. want to do that? Yeah. I think you'd like to do that. This is the type of thing you like to talk about.
1: I would love to do this. Yeah. All right. It will be coming up in a, in, a, in a future episode, not too far from now.
0: Yeah. So it could be next episode. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it for this episode, unless you have anything else to, uh, to add. No, I think that's it. All right. Um, so thanks everybody for sticking with us to the end this was a long one Um, and we will see you again on the next episode of north of the shire